Why exactly did Kentucky basketball falter down the stretch, and where do the Wildcats go from here? We talk about that on today's episode of Locked on Kentucky. You are Locked on Kentucky, your daily podcast on the Kentucky Wildcats, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is going on, Big Blue Nation? Welcome on in to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. Guys, if you're watching on YouTube, I'm back. I have been traveling uh, for for just about two weeks straight now. I've uh, I've been all over the place. I've been to Greenville, South Carolina, to watch a uh, watch some NCAA tournament basketball. I've been to Tampa uh, to watch the SEC tournament unfold. I've been all over the place. Uh, on today's episode, though, we're going to get into some more breakdown of Kentucky versus St. Peter's, and just kind of the falter at the end of the season. Uh, and then we're also going to talk about Kentucky's approach moving forward, going to take a look at the NCAA tournament bracket. Got a lot for you on today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. Today's episode is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports, dozens of house-based games to play daily. There's no sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups that you choose. You can sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. All right, so let's go ahead and get into it. Why Kentucky lost to St. Peter's. Actually, I'll say this. Uh, if, if, you, if you don't believe the fact that I got to witness some uh, NCAA tournament games, which they were absolutely phenomenal, got to drive up to Greenville, South Carolina to uh, witness some games, got to witness Auburn lose. Uh, they were just a, a fraudulent team as well. Apparently, the whole SEC uh, was just pretending the entire time. First of all, if you're watching on YouTube, got the March Madness merch. And then second off, I've got for you right here. Uh, they put out these little for, for media. They've got these different scoreboards or these different stat, uh, these uh, different box scores uh, that they hand out at these events for media. If you're watching on YouTube, you'll see what I'm talking about. And I've got one right here for the Duke-Michigan State game. And I filled out all the different points and rebounds and fouls and different things like that. Probably the best game basketball game that I've gotten to see in person, uh, Duke versus, versus Michigan State. It was absolutely phenomenal. If you've not seen it, go find it on YouTube or somewhere. It was incredible. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to say I, I had a great time uh, in, in Greenville. Uh, Tampa, not so much. <laughs> all right, uh, let's go ahead and get into it. Why Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, then also just kind of the, the, the reason that they faltered down the stretch. So I asked this question uh, to, to you guys over on Rupp Rafters, which is a, uh, a message board over on catsillustrated.com. I asked you guys, why do you think Kentucky lost to St. Peter's? I already had my answer. I was not, looking, I was not necessarily looking for your responses. I just wanted to know what you thought uh, compared to what I thought. And a lot of you said similar things uh, to what I have prepared for you today. And some of you kind of chalked it up to, to something just really, really simple, which is the fact that Kentucky didn't make shots. They didn't hit shots that they normally hit. And St. Peter's hit shots that they normally almost never hit. And so it was just an anomaly in, in and of itself. And you can't really chalk it up to more than the, the team didn't knock down shots when they needed to. And St. Peter's did. St. Peter's won the game. I think you could kind of go a little bit more in detail and then talk about the coaching and the decision-making and the free throws and overtime and uh, just different instances where things did not work out for the Wildcats. But one of the reasons I think that Kentucky faltered, not just in their round of 64 game against St. Peter's, but also 
just kind of down the stretch, I think one of the big things that, that they were struggling with was guard play. And we've talked about it before on this show, and it's kind of a given thing. And I don't necessarily know if this is 100% accurate, just a lot of people different say it, and I agree with it. In order to make a legitimate run in the postseason in college basketball, you need to have efficient guard play. Arguably, you need to have elite guard play if you want to make a legitimate run at a Final Four or even a national title. And Kentucky, down the stretch, when I'm talking about down the stretch, I'm saying about halfway to a little bit past halfway through the SEC slate, all the way to their game they played against the Peacocks, their guard play was slowly starting to just get worse and worse and worse as games went on. And so I compiled, compiled some numbers here for you. And I know that some of you are not the biggest fans of just me sitting here reading off stats. But I think these numbers are important. Just looking at the guard play for Kentucky over their final 10 to 15 games. And whenever I say guard play, I mean Severe Wheeler, Ty Ty Washington, Kellen Grady, and Davion Mitz. Kentucky's backcourt, all right? I went and got all of this, these numbers myself at about 1 o'clock in the morning. I believe it was Friday night uh, in Greenville, South Carolina, uh, in a hotel where the Wi-Fi barely worked. Severe Wheeler. Uh, before the Auburn game, Going to read you read off some of his numbers. Before Kentucky played Auburn, Severe Wheeler was averaging 10.1 points per game. He was averaging almost seven assists per contest. He was shooting 44% from the floor. He was shooting 78% from the free throw line. And he was shooting 30.8% from three. And then he had a game score of 9.1. And according to sportsreference.com, game score is like a balance between efficiency and then like the, the your scoring and how much what you did actually mattered to the team and the outcome of the game. Severe Wheeler had a game score, average game score of 9.1. So he was averaging over 10 a game. He was distributing well. He was shooting decently. His, his three-point percentage could have been better, but all things considered, it was a career high uh, if you look at what he did at, uh, at, during his time at Georgia. So that was before the Auburn game. After the Auburn game, all the way up to the St. Peter's game, Severe Wheeler scored 9.1 points per contest, which was a point less than what he was doing before, averaging 6.8 assists per game, which is just a tick under what he was averaging before. He's shooting 38.3% from the floor, which is 5% less than what he was doing before the Auburn game. He was shooting 68% from the foul line, which was 10% under what he was doing before the Auburn game. And then he was shooting 33.3% from, the, from three, which is actually better than what he was doing before the, uh, the Wildcats played the Tigers. And his game score went down from 9.1 to 6.7 on average. And according to sports reference, an average game score is 10. So he was already batting underneath the average, and now he's, he was battering consider, considerably underneath the average based on the impact that he had on a given night. So his numbers, for the most part, didn't decrease drastically, but you could see decrease in every single statistical category there that I threw out at you outside of three-point percentage. So you say, okay, it's not that bad for Wheeler, right? It's not that bad. Well, let's go to Ty Ty Washington. Ty Ty Washington, before Kentucky played Auburn, Washington was averaging 14.2 points per game, 4.2 rebounds per game, 4.6 assists per game. He was shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from three, and he had a game score of 12.1. Ty Ty Washington, pre-injury, was playing very well for the Kentucky Wildcats. At least he was playing consistently. And then since the Auburn game, 
Ty Ty has been averaging 10 points a game, which is four less than, he, than what he was doing before he got hurt. 2.8 assists per game, which is considerably less than what he was doing before. He's shooting 36% from the floor as opposed to his 50 before he got injured. Shooting 70% from the foul line, which is 7% less than what he was doing before Auburn played uh, Kentucky. And then he went down from 40% from three to 27.7. So Ty Ty fell off considerably. And then also his game score went from 12.1 to 6.3. Ty Ty, post-injury, played terribly for Kentucky. Terribly. And, and again, you have to have efficient guard play in order to make a legitimate run of the postseason. And I would argue that some of the games that you play at the end of the regular season are just as important and just and matter just as much as some of your postseason games because some of these end of season regular game in regular season games impact what you're going to do in the postseason. It impacts seeding, it impacts where you're going to be in your conference tournament, it impacts momentum, it impacts people that are scouting you uh, down the road in postseason play. Uh, You've got to be able to have efficient guard play, not just in the postseason, but heading into it. you got to be able to peak at the right time, which, unfortunately, Kentucky didn't didn't do. Uh, and some of for uh, for some of my Auburn listeners out there, because I know that there are plenty of you, considering you comment every single episode, your team didn't peak at the right time either. Keep your mouth shut. Kellen Grady, 12 points per game before uh, Kentucky played Alabama, which was just a few games after Auburn. Shooting 47% from the field, 44% from three, had a game score of 8.7. Since the Alabama game, he's averaging 10.2 points per game, which is almost two points less than what he was doing before. He went from shooting 44% from three to 33.9. And uh, and he went from shooting 47% from the floor to 39.2%. And I know I'm throwing a bunch of numbers out right now, but just to point, uh, just point being the only statistical category that these three guards did not regress in, Severe Wheeler ended up shooting a better percentage from three. Every single other category for each of these three guards that I've thrown out, they've declined in. Every single one they've declined in. Some considerably, some marginally, but everybody's had a rapid decline since the Auburn and then the Alabama games. And then last one here for you, and we'll move on. Davion Mintz was averaging 8.8 points per game before the Alabama game. He finished averaging 8. Two and a half rebounds per game before the Alabama game. Last few games of the season, 1.7 rebounds. He was averaging uh, about half assists less after the Alabama game. He went from shooting 39.4% to 36.4%, so a 3% decrease there. Went from shooting 73.8% from the foul line to 64% from the foul line. And then he went from shooting 35% from three to 33%. And he had a game score of 4.8 to close things out. Again, it's, it's the guard play. It's the inefficiency in your backcourt. You can have Oscar Shibwe on your roster. He's going to mask some of the things that you don't do well. But you've got to be able to have great guard play if you're going to make a legitimate run in the postseason. And I, and I said this. I said this in the recap episode when Kentucky played St. Peter's. I said that I was fearful that Kentucky's run would come to an end early in the tournament. I didn't say anything. I was just fearful. And that's not me saying I just want to I just want to hop on the on the on the bandwagon just to say that I was right even though I didn't say anything. 
I feel like I'm pretty sure I actually even said a couple of episodes episodes before we did the bracket preview. It was like I'm I'm concerned. Um, but but I I just had this off feeling that if Kentucky didn't start shooting better, and I probably said something similar on this podcast, if Kentucky didn't start shooting better, then they were gonna have a rough time in the tournament. I just didn't expect them to get bounced that early. And um, you know, the guard play caught up to him quicker than I thought it would. I want to talk to you guys about, you know, just some of the things that Kentucky should be doing moving forward. I want to talk about the transfer portal, going to talk about one and dones, going to talk about the comparison there, going to talk a little bit about Coach Cal. I want to I want to save some of the thoughts I have on Coach Cal for later on in the week. Before I talk about all that though, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Stat Hero. Stat Hero uh, is is just a phenomenal place for you to go hedge your bets for different NCAA pick'em contests. They have these NCAA single-game pick'ems that pit star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. With Stat Hero, you can start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that does not rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. And in addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups that you can comb through to take on head to head. They simply post sets of players that you can uh, for you to take on with a set of players you choose. It's all really simple. It's all really fun. It's the best way to get your sports action fix. It's a simple, sleek gameplay, which I personally can can appreciate. That's not me just saying that. That's not on the read. I genuinely can appreciate that. Uh, guys, this just simply is what Daily Fantasy was meant to be. It's really, really fun. And you can sign up for free right now at stathero.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. That's stathero.com slash locked on using promo code locked on for a 100% deposit match. Terms and conditions apply. Today's episode is also brought to you by Built Bar. It's pretty much, I've said it so many different times already. It's pretty much, if you haven't given up on your New Year's resolutions already, uh, good for you, by the way. Uh, I'm I'm shocked. Um, but but if you have like me, you 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 may want to try and stick to one specific resolution that you might have had that I had, which is eating correctly. Now, obviously, it's it's very very difficult to eat right and eat right consistently. It's not it's not a one time thing. It's more of a lifestyle thing. You hear uh, something similar said about working out, but with Built Bar, you can eat healthier instead of getting all these different sugary treats. And it's not even really a resolution because Bill Bar actually, Bill Bars actually taste great. They've got these different things, all these different things you can try out. They've got these things called Puffs. Uh, they're one of the best, uh, Bill Bar's best uh, tasting bars. They're the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. They're low in calorie. They're very high in protein. You can replace your candy bars with these instead of having to eat candy bars if you want to get something that tastes great. And again, they're really healthy for you. You can go to built.com right now and you can use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your order. Right now you can go to promo or you can go to built.com and you can use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, continuing along here on the Tuesday edition of Locked On Kentucky Lance Dahl here with you. What should Kentucky's approach be moving forward? Obviously, we've seen the Wildcats have success both in the transfer portal this season, and we've had them see, we've seen them have success with one and done players. It's kind of been the theme throughout Coach Cal's career with the Wildcats. So, what should be Kentucky's approach moving forward? Well, let's talk about the transfer portal first because I feel like that's more relevant to the way the game is played today. 
The transfer portal is obviously extremely beneficial for a variety of programs, but I think at the end of the day, the transfer portal benefits more. I think it benefits the the top programs more than it benefits the smaller ones. And here's what I mean by that. You, you can see a program like Kentucky, and you can look at a guy that's sitting on their bench, and they can now, instead of, instead of having to sit a year out or having a tough time finding somewhere else to go to actually play and get minutes, they can just immediately hop into a portal, figuratively speaking, and they can go just about anywhere they want to in the country, and they can get legitimate playing time. The problem with, but the problem is for, for some of these kids, if playing time is the end goal, and you don't, you're not trying to get a future, whether it be playing professionally, or playing in the NBA, or, or you're you're not trying to get, you're not trying to be seen, going to one of these smaller schools may hinder your ability to do so. So that's a negative. That's a knock on the transfer portal and kids downsizing to smaller schools. I think it benefits these larger schools because what these larger schools can do is they can look at all of these different recruits that are playing at these smaller schools that want to transfer out that they either might have whiffed on um, early on in their, uh, in their recruiting process or that they just simply never heard about. Diamonds in the rough that got away from them that they can now come back to and, and, and see the trajectory. You can see the development. You can see the talent. And you can recruit that kid to come to your school. It shouldn't be that difficult. The sales pitches to those kids coming from those mid-majors, hey, look, you can come play at a place like Kentucky. You're obviously really talented. We're going to give you a shot to be one of our starters. We're going to give you a shot to be somebody on this team that can contribute. You can have a lot more eyes on you. And you're going to have the ability to prove what you can do. And you're going to have the ability to get to the next level. And that's the sales pitch for some of these kids. And I think when you look at some of these different guys that Kentucky is trying to recruit in the transfer portal, for instance, they've got a kid that they're looking at out of Utah Valley, a six foot eleven center, that's very much so like Oscar Shibway. But again, it, it should not be difficult to recruit a kid like that to at least come to a power six school instead of, you know, trying to get it for a kid leaving a power six program to go to one of these smaller schools. I think that there's just a lot more benefit for these larger schools and these kids coming to these larger schools. And and that may not necessarily be a bold take. That may just kind of be an obvious thing for a lot of you. Um, and it's not necessarily a bad thing that that one side of the, the entire equation is favored more than the other. I just think that it's interesting that the transfer portal can benefit certain teams, and it can benefit specifically the team that we like to talk about here on this podcast. It can benefit Kentucky. So I think Kentucky has the opportunity to just about to just go out and, and get just about anybody that they want, I feel like, out of the transfer portal. But, but there's, there's, a, there's a little bit of risk there, as there is with recruiting, is that, you know, what's this kid's jump if you're talking about specifically a kid from the mid-majors, what's, what's their jump from playing that level of competition to here? And we, we've gotten to see guys like Davion Mintz. Well, he moved, and he got to a more arguably a more difficult level of competition, and I think that he developed. I think he, he panned out as, as the, uh, the starter last season and a backup guy this season. Severe Wheeler jumped from a terrible program in Georgia 
it's live, living in the same conference, obviously, but jumped from a different pro- program in Georgia and got to continue development with Kentucky and their staff and their talent and their all their resources. Got to develop into arguably a better player, a better shooter, I feel like, than what he was uh, before, before transferring to the Wildcats. And so I, I definitely think that Kentucky, I mean, you look at a guy like Kellen Grady. Now, Grady is 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 interesting because he's not one of the guys that I feel like panned out or really peaked during his time with the Wildcats. Peaked with his time, uh, during his time with Davidson. So I think that there's there's a risk there. You can you can hit, you can miss, you can get a guy that's shooting forty four percent from three, and then for the for the back half of the season wants to side, sidestep everything. Again, I think Grady's a talented player. I think he's a good athlete. I think he's a phenomenal kid. It's just his confidence was shot. So I'm not I'm not trying to di- take a dig at him. I mean that's just the way it is. That's what happened. And it's a shame that it that the, that his his season ended the way it did, but. My point being is that the transfer portal gives and it takes, and it, there there's so many different things that can come out of it that are good, that are bad. NIL is definitely a factor there as well. But it's different than your one-and-dones. When you look at one-and-dones, and, dones and you, we've gotten to see a plethora of them during, our, during uh, Coach Calipari's time at Kentucky, we've gotten to see all these different recruits come in and out of the program in just one season, and, I mean, most of them, not going to lie, have, have played well. They've played well. They, they've immediately been able to click into a system. You've, you get to see it all across college basketball. You get to see these five, Chet Holmgren, for instance, at Gonzaga. You get to see these five stars come in. They're, they're like seven feet tall. They can shoot. They can run with the basketball. They can play defense. They can do all these different things. Extremely athletic, extremely talented five-star kids. They come in. They pan out. They get there one year, and they go to the NBA. Now, there's a lack of continuity. That's the risk you take with one and done. There's a lack of continuity within your program, but the culture, I think, is still established. Obviously, Kentucky's been able to survive off of it. In fact, they won a national title uh, with some extremely inexperienced players. So, so they're, they're very similar to tra- the transfer portal. One and done's give, one and done's take. I would, I would think, though, after taking a look at both of these two different options, I would think, oddly enough, there's more certainty in one-and-dones because with the transfer portal, I feel like it's less certain that you hit on a kid that was a former three-star, former two-star prospect that played well, averaged like 15 points a game. I feel like it's left less often that you hit on those kids as opposed to five-star best player in a state. You know, you, you know what I mean? I, I feel like there's, there's more certainty and recruiting out of high school than there is in the transfer portal. And that's kind of weird to say, given the fact that the transfer portal features a product or a player that has already seen the collegiate game. Uh, but, but, but again, I don't feel like there's a ton of difference between a sophomore point guard out of Eastern Kentucky and uh, a kid, a five-star kid coming out of Phoenix, Arizona, coming out straight out of high school. I don't, I don't feel like there's, there's, there's a huge risk in taking that freshman over that sophomore. Because you see all all the time across college basketball, you see younger teams beat older teams. It'd be nice to have that experience, but yeah, that's the that's the sacrifice with one and nuns. So, what should Kentucky's approach being moving be moving forward? I know that we're in the age where the the transfer portal is extremely popular, and that everybody's gonna gonna go flock toward it. And you there's there's different players that you can take out of it. Let's say a five star kid wants to transfer schools because it just wasn't the right fit. 
I mean, there's there's different guys out there like that as well. Personally, for me, though, I would like to see Kentucky continue to build what they currently have. I would like to see them build it off of getting kids out of high school. I would like to, and, and this is not because I saw this team this year, one of the most experienced teams Coach Cal has had. It's not because I got, I got to see this team falter in the round of 64. It's not that. It doesn't have, if they made it to the Sweet 16, I would probably say the same thing that I'm saying right now, which is build your foundation on what you have, what you have won with in the past. What has won you a title? Stick with that. And I know that the landscape's changing. I'll also say that I think it's almost easier to recruit kids with NIL coming out of high school than it is uh, during their time in college. And I may be wrong on that. I may just be completely off on that. That's just what I think. So there, there are different options here. But in my opinion, I think Kentucky needs to stick with what has worked. All of this to say, I think Kentucky needs to stick with what has worked. Continue to get your high school recruits. I would, personally, and, and this may, you, you may disagree with this, personally, I would much rather have the five-star kid instead of the three-star that played two seasons at a mid-major school and played very well. That is just my opinion. That may be dumb. That may be wrong. That's just what I think. I would much rather have that kid coming out of high school than one, play, than one playing at a mid-major. Because also, you got to think about the tape that's already out on that kid. For instance, considering I live in the area and I've gotten to see Auburn basketball, let's take Wendell Green Jr., their point guard, um, who faltered down the stretch as well. We're talking about guard play uh, failing. Yeah, Auburn's guards failed them tremendously. Wendell Green Jr., kid out of Eastern Kentucky, uh, was a freshman last season, was one of the best players in the country in terms of assists. He comes to Auburn. He's really, really good at dishing the ball around. But as the season goes on, and it, 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 only took, it only took teams about 10, 12 games to really catch on, they realized what made him tick, and they executed on it. And his offense just about shut down. And if he wasn't hitting half-court shots, um, he was an incredibly inefficient player. And I feel like teams already had an idea of what that kid was capable of because they got to see film of him at Western Kentucky. Or Eastern Kentucky, excuse me. They already had that film out. Whereas opposed to a, a, a guard or a, a five-star guard coming out of high school, you can watch high school film all you want, but there's so much that can happen during that summer with a collegiate program. How are they going to utilize him? It, arguably, nine times out of ten, kids are used... Uh, in different ways than, than they, they're used with their high schools. And I'm not saying completely different. I'm just saying there are things you can't prepare for because you can't see it. So that's just where I stand on it. I, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but that's just where I stand on it. One and done's over the transfer portal for me. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to take a look at the uh, NCAA tournament bracket. Mine is shot. How's yours doing? It's, uh, I bet ours is awful. I'll, I'll just say that for ourselves. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But before we do that, I want to tell you guys about our friends at Bet Online. It's that time of year again. You know, college basketball, it's upon us, man. We're in the Sweet 16. You can go to Bet Online to get all the latest odds, contests, and player props. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all of your sports betting needs and info. It's the best spot for all of your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season as well. And it's not just basketball. 
In fact, BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. You can head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. That's BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, wrapping up the Tuesday edition of Locked on Kentucky here. Uh, Lance Donk here with you. I said it right before then. I'll say it again. If your bracket's not shot to pieces, I'm shocked. Uh, because mine has been put through the shredder and then put through the shredder again. I mean, it is it is abysmal uh, what has happened with my bracket. Let's just take a look at the Sweet 16, and we'll talk a little, bit, a little bit about the different upsets that happened here. So Gonzaga defeated Memphis to get to the Sweet 16. After the Zags really, really struggled with Georgia State, I believe Georgia State had a lead in that game with like 15 minutes left. And then I checked on the game uh, a little bit later, and uh, Gonzaga had won, was up by like 25 points. So they ran away eventually against Georgia State, but then they beat Memphis by four. And this was a concern for a lot of different fans, thinking that Gonzaga, you know, they've struggled at times against teams that can get to the rim on them and can score a little bit. How are they going to handle a really talented, tall uh, Memphis team? And they struggled a little bit. They now phase off against Arkansas in the Sweet 16. And Arkansas really, really struggled. I mean, their two games struggle wins. Uh, they they uh, defeated Vermont, but that was a close matchup. Then they uh, beat, beat New Mexico State. That was a close matchup. That game was essentially first to 45 points wins. Arkansas won 40, uh, 53 to 48. So the Zags take on the Razorbacks on Thursday in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech and Duke play in the Sweet 16. Texas Tech uh, is a relatively easy path to the Sweet 16 so far. Duke struggled against Michigan State. Michigan State played lights out up until the last two minutes of that game. Again, I was there. I got to see it. Probably best best basketball game I've seen in person. Definitely the best game I've seen this year. Um, but Duke and Texas Tech playing in the Sweet 16. That's going to be a really fun matchup. Looking at the East region here, hey, how about North Carolina? I don't know if I said it on the show. I think I did. I've definitely, I've definitely picked the upset in more than one of my brackets this year. And yes, I have multiple. Leave, leave me alone. I North Carolina had a very legitimate shot to beat Baylor. Baylor was injured. Baylor was not playing consistently. North Carolina's offense was firing on all cylinders. And show enough, uh, North Carolina won. And they will play against UCLA and the Sweet 16. That is going to be an absolutely phenomenal game. It's a shame that it's 9.39 p.m. Uh, Central Time. Extremely late game, but I'm going to be there for it. Purdue was taken on St. Peter's. Yeah, guys, by the way, hey, don't know if you watched it. Uh, I, some of you Kentucky fans, after after Kentucky lost to St. Peter's, may have just went back to your rock, just were cried for a few days, didn't watch college basketball. Completely understandable. Uh, but St. Peter's won again. They beat Murray State. And I would have not guessed that. Uh, if you had told me, not only would they have beaten Kentucky, but Murray State, who was 31-2 at the time, 31-2, I uh, would, have, would have told you that you, you were crazy. St. Peter's will take on Purdue, so likely their run will end there. Uh, RIP St. Peter's, Doug Eddard. By the way, I love one of you commented, um, on a YouTube episode recently where it's like, I love, they were like, I love how you pointed out the fact that Doug Eddard would likely go off against Kentucky and here we are and he dropped 20. And I thought it was so funny. It's like, yeah, when you got a name like Doug Eddard and if you've not seen his mustache, look it up. 
Uh, when you've got a name like Doug Eddard and, and the swag that that man has, I mean, that, that is just March Madness written all over it. In the South region, we've got number one, Arizona, taking on number five, Houston. In the Sweet 16, going to be a fun matchup there. Houston firing on all cylinders, playing good offense, good defense. Arizona scraped by TCU in overtime. Um, they, there were some questionable calls at the end of that game. I'll just say that. Very questionable. Michigan takes on Villanova. So Tennessee uh, got run on by the Michigan Wolverines. Would have never guessed that. I thought Tennessee was one of the hottest teams in this field coming into this tournament. My bracket's completely shot. Thanks, Tennessee. Villanova will take them on. Villanova, um, it's a shame that Arizona, Houston, and Villanova are all in the same South region because I think th- these are three of the best teams in the, in the entire tournament, at least in the field that's left. And then in the Midwest, we've got Kansas against number four, Providence. Surprised that Providence hasn't lost yet, but then again, according to Ken Palm, this is the luckiest team in the nation. Uh, who would have thunk it? They made it this far. And then number 11, Iowa State will take on number 10, Miami. You got to love it. You got to love the fact that LSU lost to, uh, to Iowa State. And then Wisconsin lost to Iowa State. And both those teams didn't even score 55 points against the Cyclones. And uh, Iowa State still won. <laughs> what a terrible what a terrible year for my bracket, man. And then uh, Auburn uh, lost by 18 points to the University of Miami, and how sweet it was. How sweet it was. All these Auburn fans talking trash and making fun of Kentucky losing, and then you lose to Miami by 18. Everything was setting up so perfectly for you, by the way, Auburn fans. You had all these different opportunities at the end of the season to capitalize and to get your get your stuff together and to make things right. And then you had a beautiful draw to get to the Final Four, or at least the Elite Eight, uh, and you botched it. And some of you Auburn fans out there aren't aren't hateful, but I would say the majority of you have not been too kind. Um, and, and talking about Kentucky being awful, I mean, look, your team didn't, your team faltered as well. You, know, you don't have much room to talk. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Kentucky. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked On. UK. You can follow me on Twitter at Lance Daw underscore, and you can follow the show on Instagram at Kentucky Podcast. We'll continue to talk about John Calipari, uh, different things surrounding the Kentucky basketball program, Kentucky spring football coming up as well. All that more coming up this week. See y'all then. Peace out.